everybody, and welcome back to episode four of Yes OBS, the podcast where everything is true except the parts that aren't. Now, I think I'm doing quite well on these podcasts, Paul. I've, I've mm. had a good run. I think I'm. I'm not doing well at all. I'm. I'm I think I've lost one and drawn two. Uh, you might have lost two and drawn one. That, I don't know. I'll have, I'll have to go back. Not, more likely. Not that I'm being pedantic about uh, <laughs> seeing who's winning this season. I thought I'd be good at this, and I'm obviously terrible at it. We should think of a prize, like whoever. I think the loser should win a round of drinks off the winner. The loser should yeah. win. The r- so what? That doesn't make any sense. Why? It should be the loser should pay for the drinks. But I think out of sympathy, the loser should win the prize. Oh, is that why you're deliberately throwing yeah. every yeah. every episode? You in? saw through my plan. Ah, you see, because <laughs> like I see through all of your lies. Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Paul, I've got some interesting facts for you today. Right. So we run through the rules or not? <clears throat> yeah, we can do. Just kind of a recap. If yeah. you if you've if you're kind of new to the podcast, the basic rules are: uh, myself and Paul both have three facts that we try and tell each other. Now, the facts can be true or they could be false. We have to guess if that person is lying or telling the truth. Mm. If we get it right, they get a point. Mm-hmm. Most points wins the match. Yeah. And if I convince you something that's rubbish, then I get a point. Yes. But I haven't been doing that very well. He hasn't, no. No. I've, uh, I'm just, no. I've knocked it out of the park every week. Yeah. To date. Yeah. Of course, I've just kissed a death on oh, this one. I'm at uh, 6-0 to make it there. <laughs> to be honest, I don't think I've, these are my strongest facts I've got today. Oh, right. Okay. So you might... Got you on the ropes already. Uh, well, actually, we'll, we'll see. So, today, Paul, <clears throat> I've got some science... Some nature, mm-hmm. a bit of history for you. Okay, that's that's a good mix. So we're going to start off with some science. Right. Now, I want to tell you about a cell phone that is powered by Coca-Cola. Right. Now, how do you, what's your first gut reaction I, on that As one? daft as that sounds, I think it could be true. <clears throat> because you can do lots of weird things with Coca-Cola. Like, can you, if, if you put, a, like electrodes in it does it not do something probably boil the well coke. if you put electrodes in it does it not do something <laughs> wow that's tell you how is it not an ex- <laughs> I, i'm not a scientist <laughs> if you put electrodes in it does it do something is it not an experiment where you do that with coke and it and it conducts electricity or something or have i made uh, that up it might be it, i don't ring that the if, experiment is, if that. that's true i look like a genius now <laughs> I'm well, guessing you put electrodes a... in cork. It probably just boils the cork and produces sort of treacle. Genius is a is that strong how treacle's word. Made? <laughs> right. And the prize for worst fact on yes or yes <laughs> is, is a cup of treacle. <laughs> so I'll give you a little background on this one. Right. It was a Chinese inventor called, uh, apologies to any Chinese listeners on the pronunciation of this. She was called Dai Ji Zheng. Okay. And she was 23 at the time when she invented this in 2010. And she was working on a concept phone for Nokia. Mm-hmm. And it was basically the idea you would generate electricity from carbohydrates. Okay. Now this now it's my turn to look like... Uh, that, I've already, that's already raised questions in my head. <laughs> a, why? B, also why? Well... Generate well, electricity from carbohydrates? Yes. Okay. This is, now this is where I'm going to sound as genius as you. Even that sentence. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're off to a flying start. It's all to do with the glucose that's in the cork. Right. Um, when you break down the glucose with certain enzymes, they release hydrogen. Okay. You're blinding me with GCSE level science <laughs> here. Oh God, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I really can't explain scientific facts very well. Yeah, I, I stopped listening to enzyme. <laughs> well, the crux of it is, um, when you break down the, the glucose, it created kind of positively charged electrons and negatively charged electrons. So you needed... The positive and negative. I thought electrons are always negatively charged. Again, this is where I'm falling down. (laughs) I don't know if that's true. We are the worst people to deal with science. (laughs) We should make a new rule. We do no more science facts until we get someone scientific on. (laughs) But basically... Basically, she poured coke on her phone (laughs) and it worked. Not on the phone. (laughs) It was like a little screw cap battery pack. Right, back. and she put cork in it. She poured cork in it, and this reaction, which had carbohydrates... Is glucose a carbohydrate? I think it is. It's a sugar, and I think sugar's classed as carbohydrates on there. Yes, I think. Because on the back labels of things, it says carbohydrates of which sugars. There you go. There you go. You see, my science is sound Yeah. on this one. But it's convincing each other that this is true. <laughs> How do you, That could be my new trick. 
Oh, after last week's crazy lies, so, what's going on here? All we need to know is that there's <clears throat> some sort of chemical process goes on that produces hydrogen? No, they break down the hydrogen oh, right, to okay. create some sort of positive and negative electrons. Right. Again, I feel we might get a lot of comments. <laughs> get a grip on so your science. I, I see... I can't query the science because I literally don't understand how that would work. And I wouldn't be able to explain it. I can, I can query <laughs> what the phone looked like. Ooh, now there's a trick. It was it was like kind of like an old, one of the older style Nokias. That you could, it wasn't a smartphone. Like, like, a, uh, like one of the brick yes, ones. Yes, so one of the brick ones. You, right. couldn't, you couldn't power like a smartphone using this shock. In fact, they could barely power this brick with the cork. It was barely enough to make a phone call. It all seems futile. <laughs> <laughs> Well, to make a phone call, you probably have to use about as much coke as the vision of small cafeteria. Well, with that attitude, Paul, it's all it's all futile. Oh well, I'm sorry, Dai Zhi Zheng. You're, everything you're doing is futile. Just go on. What if she's listening, Paul? What if she? Well, I'm sorry, but you've wasted your life. <laughs> we'll edit that out. <laughs> oh, that's getting left in. I don't, actually, I don't know what she did after this, but it was when she was at Saint Martin's College. Coke. <laughs> straight out of the phone switch to pepsi but so that was basically it. it was barely enough power to make a call but it worked but it worked okay so the fo- it's an old style nokia handset it yes. has a sort of instead of having a battery on the back it has a sort of tank well it was kind of it was they had to adjust it so you, you think <laughs> adjust it in what way well so that it was compatible with a cork powered battery right so is it kind of like, and here's my science knowledge going again, it's like a battery, mm-hmm. basically, but instead of having acid inside it, it has coke. Yes. And whatever happens to battery acid kind of is what happens to the coke. Yes. So I don't know what that says about coke and how healthy it the is. Coke is acidic though, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. Rots your teeth like, so I'd assume. But is that, I, I don't know. We're the wrong people to talk about this. This is literally the blind leading the blind yeah. on this one. Yeah. Okay, so it sounds plausible. But wait, I have a... You've a got ju- one? No. <laughs> I've got to call you on it. I have a joke to finish off this fact. <sighs> I'm braced. You know, it, what with the government's new sugar tax these days, the battery life probably wouldn't last as, as long. Is it? Is it? Oh... That doesn't even make sense. <laughs> what does the sugar tax have to do with how good the Coke would be? Because they're reducing sugar in all the recipes now. Well, you just use more Coke. I thought you said you had a joke to finish up, <laughs> not a tragic story. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Um, so there you go. What year did this happen in? Uh, 2010. 10, okay. And she was in at Nokia, working at Nokia. Uh, she was working, kind of doing a PhD at Central St. Martin's College in London. Right. But Nokia was funding this Funding her. Okay. <sighs> now, you, I, I think that this could be true, but it's full of all these patchy sort of... <laughs> sort of half-baked ideas <laughs> that are so poorly researched that if you actually read a single article about this woman, you'd probably understand it a little bit better than you do. Mm. It sounds plausible because I know there are all sorts of weird little projects going on, like people running cars on chip fat and things. Mm. So we're running a phone on a, a can <clears throat> of Coke. How much Coke did it have on it? Uh, it didn't say. I've not got that detail. Could you use Coke instead of battery acids? No. I no, I I I'm oh, I'm this is a hard one, but I'm gonna say that I think you've made that up. I think that's BS. Final answer. Yeah, it's true. Oh! <laughs> the, Every the, time I read this article so many times to try and get the science behind it, but it's like I'm so ignorant. Yeah. of science. I think they've kind of stopped the project now because it wasn't really worth. working. <laughs> I think it wasn't nearly as efficient as they thought it could be. So I don't think there's been any work done on this coke-powered cell phone since then. But it did was it did the theory was sound at the time and it was working. It did it did provide power. It was I forget because I forget which enzymes she had to use to break down the glucose. Again, right. I'm sounding ignorant again. Yeah, I think we've both <clears throat> come off poorly in this discussion. <laughs> But I mean, what are they trying? What point are they trying to prove? Um, just that you. Well, it's more environmentally sound if you use. But it isn't because you've still got to make the coke. Yeah, but I'm sure making coke is more environmentally friendly than making lithium-ion batteries. Uh, I suppose that's true. And you you can't get rid of them. They're like coke. Just it's gone. It's. Oof. <laughs> 
more blinding signs from you here. Okay, right. Well, I'm already on a back foot. Think, so, so much for my six nil. And I think I should add the caveat for this podcast mm. that it's a bit of fun. <laughs> so, <laughs> if there's any rage at how poor my science is, I'm ready for it. I'm I'm almost sure that <laughs> electrons are always ne- are they not neutral? No, that's neutrons. God, Posi- what's a positron? <laughs> I know Data had a positronic brain in Star Trek. All right, so we're going from science to nature. Ooh, excellent. Because that science one went so well. (laughs) Let's never do science facts again. More on familiar ground now. Um, Okay, so uh, you might have seen on wildlife programs and things before Mm. that foxes do that thing of jumping in the air and landing like sort of nose diving. Uh, Oh, yeah. And um, wolves do this as well. Arctic foxes do it. Um, and owls do it. They don't nosedive, <laughs> but <laughs> they, they hunt rodents that are beneath the snow is the point that I've gone for. Owls nosediving. Mm. They don't really have much of a nose to go on. So <laughs> beak diving. Beak diving, mm. yeah. But in or nearabouts a place called Uranium City in Saskatchewan in Canada... Mm. There's a naturalist who is a Norwegian naturalist called Alexander Berg, who has observed a pack of wolves that not only do this, but uh, also almost sort of set traps in order to... (laughs) (laughs) Are they they weaving snares? (laughs) In order to hunt owls that also do this. Um, So... The way that this works is the what the foxes and the owls and the um, I was going to say rabbits, not rabbits, all those sort of creatures that hunt these things. What they do, there's a all the rodents underneath the the snow have sort of tunnels mm-hmm. that they run through, mm. and the foxes can hear this, and the owls can hear it as well, even though they're up in the trees. Um, but they sort of scratch their way through, and it's the sound of that that these creatures pick really? up. Really, owls can hear that. Yeah, that get really annoying for them, like sit, trying to. Sit. <laughs> Sitting in the tree and they just hear constant scratching. Like, <laughs> I don't oh. think I don't think there's that many rodents underneath the snow. I don't think it's a constant scratching. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine this like city of rodents. I'd imagine it's pretty silent, and then they'll maybe hear one every ten minutes or something. I don't know. I don't know how many they rodents there are in Uranium City. <laughs> <laughs> This sounds um, like a t- some sort of terrible fan fiction for something. <laughs> um, so there's a there's sort of a network of tunnels underneath the snow and uh, the wolves and things when they land in it sort of leaves a depression in the snow hmm. and sometimes you can see where the tunnels are through the holes that are dug out and so on and so on and so on but there is one pack of wolves that this um, Alexander Berg has observed in Saskatchewan that when these troughs have been left by members of the pack they'll haul a branch or some kind of piece of foliage or something that's fallen mm-hmm. up a tree over the hole, it will then get covered in fresh snow. <laughs> so, a, a rodent will yeah. run through the tunnel underneath. An owl will go to catch the rodent and will get tangled up in the branches. Whereupon, the wolves strike and <laughs> and kill the owl. <laughs> and it's one of the most sort of extraordinary things that's been... Well, I, I suppose it would be extraordinary, given it's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> but it's one of the... Well, the, the, it's been pointed out that it's one of the few times that sort of a, a creature other than a human um, has been seen to set effectively set a trap. Is this wolf also known as Wily Coyote? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, I'll get that owl one day. <laughs> Does he also try and push anvils under the owl? <laughs> I don't, oh, think it's, oh, I don't think it's Acme. the same owl. <laughs> I don't think it's the same wolf. It's probably a pack of wolves. But they think his theory is that they saw this happen purely by chance to a bird that had become tangled up in branches. <laughs> oh, look at that, Steve. Maybe if we dragged a log over to the to the mouse hole. And the, it's the not owl. the mouse hole. It's a full sort of trough, effectively, that's been left in the snow. The, the they owls, cover it up. The owl's not twigged on. There is more than one owl. <laughs> <laughs> they hunt many owls, See, but they I've don't got hunt this, them. I've got this really. image of Uranium City just being packed to the gills with, with mice. Uranium? <laughs> with uranium, mice, owls and wolves in this... Well, it's not actually the city. It's in the outskirts of that. It's, mm. it's northern Saskatchewan. 
So who observed this again? It's a Norwegian naturalist, Alexander Berg. This was in... Well, the behaviour was first reported in 2009. Um, he documented it in 2014, and it was published... It's in took his time late, didn't he? <laughs> well, that's, I'm presuming <laughs> that was when it was documented. That was, that's probably when his research took started. Took his time to get out there as well. Oh, and, best to um, see these owls. It was published in 2017, so it was published this <clears throat> year. Hmm. It has a ring of plausibility, but... I just, I can't imagine owls just, <laughs> like, where, where, okay. So the owl flies in. I will just say that the theory is that um, this happened by <clears throat> chance, as I said, so that the, the wolves happened to catch an owl that had become it's somehow tangled in the ground. The wolves are just now communicating this to every other wolf. Oh, no, it's one pack. Ah, it's only one pack that's, that this has been so, observed with. Is the owl... not, this isn't happening across the world. <laughs> It would be setting traps for us next if it was. <laughs> Let me get this straight. Mm-hmm. The wolf has put the branch with some tangly bits in it. The owl swoops in. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I'm all tangled. What do I do? Where, where's the, where are the wolves waiting? Why has the owl not seen the wolves? I don't know. I, I, thought, I don't think they exactly man the traps. I, I thought owls were nocturnal. and wolves... No. This is a common misconception, and I actually was thinking of doing this as a separate fact, yeah. was that all owls are, are nocturnal. They aren't. Uh, a lot of them are, but especially the ones that you get in Arctic regions and the things. Mm. That, um, no, they can hunt you in the day. Okay. Like I said, there's a ring of plausibility mm-hmm. on this one, but I just can't see like three branches or whatever capturing an owl for long enough. For like a pack of wolves to come in. <laughs> I think, I think like... you're slightly over-egging this in your mind that there's sort of 40 Surely... salivating wolves eating one owl. <laughs> <laughs> the, the owls are quite large. They, they are uh, Arctic eagle owls that mm. they're eating, which are actually quite large birds. So they become tangled quite quite easily. So where is branches. Uranium City again? It's in Saskatchewan, which is... I should have looked it up on a map, mm. um, but it must be far north of Canada. Uh, I think I'm ready to guess this one. Okay. I think there's a ring of truth, but not enough of a ring of truth. Because I, I can't picture, like, an owl flailing around, like, wolves waiting for it. Because for a tiny meal, shouldn't they be hunting caribou or something or whatever? Well, yeah, they can. Yeah, but there's very protein-y in birds. But, but they'd rather set up a convoluted twig trap but for an owl. a pack of wolves hunts a caribou, there's a chance they might not catch it. Mm. And it's the entire pack that's involved. <laughs> I think there's a chance they might not catch these owls. <laughs> <laughs> there's an entire pack involved with in one if, animal. What if the, the owl strikes on a different place where the trap isn't? Well, then they don't catch it. So the, 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 the mice could be anywhere under the snow. Mm. And then the wolves are just hoping this one branch. Yeah, but because they've made the divot in the snow themselves <clears throat> the, there'll quite often be lots of tunnels kind of converging at that one point you could if you can see it oh because these... the mice think oh that that's the place to be <laughs> no <laughs> well because they, they haven't got their whole network mapped out in there <laughs> oh, you know i won't i won't turn right at that one i'll go to double left down there there'll be a sort of network of, of tunnels underneath they'd make one hole <clears> there <throat> might be four tunnels that sort of splice off it so it, it creates a sort of thoroughfare almost okay so, yeah. um I'm going to say this is a lie. I, I can't feel enough truth in this one. Mm-hmm. Go on. Final answer. Lie. You think that wolves aren't setting traps for owls in Canada? I don't think they're setting Acme-style traps. I made that up. Ah. <laughs> gotcha, Jones. Gotcha. <laughs> I'm terrible at this game and I came up with it. <laughs> A little tiny owl. Oh, let's get the wolf pack together. Anyway. I, I thought it sounded plausible. <laughs> anyway, we're off. We're moving We're moving forward. Right. I'm also staying with nature for my fact. Okay. We're going under the sea. Right. It's about crabs. Lobsters. Was, it, oh. was he a lobster or a crab who sang this? Sebastian, no, he's a crab. Oh, well, it, it's close enough. They're the same. They're both decapods. There you go. There's me. <laughs> That's true. Is a crab a decapod? Is that I ten legs? I've not got a clue. I don't like crabs. Well, for these lobsters, I've got some interesting facts for you. Right. Did you know that lobsters piss out of their faces? No, I didn't. Ah, okay. We've got some... Is this your fact or is this a side <laughs> fact? <laughs> there's, 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 <laughs> there's numerous excretion facts of the lobster okay. that I'm going to pull together for you. Right. Not only do lobsters piss directly out of their faces, right. they can also piss out of other places, like directly from digestive glands and gills. Okay. 
Now, you, you relate to this next point about lobsters because... I, and I didn't relate to that last one. <laughs> oh, you wait for this one though, Paul. Because female lobsters show affection or preference for a dominant male by pissing into their burrows. So much like your own seduction technique. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Not that I've built this fact around that joke. <laughs> Nothing like being slandered on your own podcast. Um... It's supposed to kind of they seek out the most aggressive male and annoying. <laughs> I suppose it would be if you were just in bed one morning and someone and... started pissing it into your house. <laughs> I think it's because the the piss contains pheromones that kind of gets the males riled up and it says, "Right, what's the most aggressive one?" And it's kind of that's why the males also piss in each other's faces. Oh, it's it's lovely! To, this it's gets kind of... better. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's to kind of ward each other off because of all the pheromones going on in there. But the thing is, they, they have a lot of interesting piss facts. But mm-hmm. the last one is mm-hmm. apparently the spray can reach up to two meters, like in a one squirt. So Right. That's quite a powerful jet. I don't know if this is underwater and it kind of... I was going to say, I mean, could it, it, like if it's two meters, <clears throat> you could use that to like jet wash your drive. <laughs> Just walking around with a load of lobsters. One, one turned on lobster. <laughs> Morning, Jeff. <laughs> Take a little while, maybe, but get the job done. I have a whole bucket full of them. Once one runs out, I'm off. On to the next one. Right, okay. So those are my lobster mating aggression and pissing facts. Am I voting on all of them as one thing? Yes. So... Lobsters piss out of their faces and other parts of their anatomy. Yes, they love it. How does that work? How do they, how can they? Is it act? Is it actually urine? Yes, it's there. So it's not sort of like some kind of like sweat or something. <laughs> <laughs> do lobsters because, sweat? Because they, they probably do in those pots. <laughs> <laughs> because oh, sea creatures have a great need for sweat. Well, that's what the sea is. Yeah, I should use another sea creature. Should have said that one. So it is actually their urine. I wouldn't yes. have even thought that they would urinate. Well, every animal's got to. Well, birds don't urinate. Ah, uh, well, yeah, they combine everything into into one, one mush. Ex- <laughs> is that what you call it? <laughs> I want birds mushed on my car. I'd have to get a lobster and blast it up. Okay. So, I, I, if the fact was just lobsters piss, mm. I would be staggered. But mm. you've come rolling out with a few here. So, they can jet it from all sorts of parts of their body, but mainly out of their face. Yes. Um, the, and again, like yourself, Paul, the males do it to ward off rivals. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, if I find myself in a threatening position, <laughs> I, I probably would produce piss. And yours fires about two metres. <laughs> I use it to get a start. Um, okay, the w- women lobsters, yes. la- lady lobster, she sprays it into the male's burrow. Yes, and it's got pheromones in the, the female lobster's piss that right. kind of rouse the males up. It's kind of, because she's looking for the most aggressive males, really. Okay, and yeah. I, even See, even the fact that lobsters have burrows is a good enough fact. <laughs> well, where do you expect them to sleep on? It's on the seabed. Yeah. Where any animal could come and just pick them off. I suppose so. Okay, so they're going along spraying the urine out of their faces at other lobsters. Mm. Okay, the male lobsters sprayed at each other. Yes, and that's to ward off rivals or to kind of start a fight. Say, hey, you, piss in your face. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you, I'll piss in your face. (laughs) You've been to some rough rough pubs in your time. Again, Paul, just like a night out with you. (laughs) Okay, and the, what was the last fact? That it can go two metres? Yes. Right. Now, I have a vague recollection in my head of someone on like a wildlife documentary or something, mm-hmm. or, or it's probably more a cookery programme, <laughs> picking a lobster out of a lobster pot and it's sort of spraying liquid out of its face. Mm. And I just presumed it was sort of water from its mouth. Mm. But it could have been piss out of its face? Could have been piss it was spraying. Or their, their equivalent excretion of piss. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because they don't drink. Is that not how... Like, they do take in water, though. Yeah, but do they? I don't know. I'm going to stop there because I'm ignorant on how sea creatures actually <laughs> actually drink. Because lobsters, they're not... They have gills, so they don't breathe air. Yes, they've got gills. That's where they can squirt some of this piss out. I don't so know, actually, I don't know how they do on land, actually, because I know they can toddle about. 
So they 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 kind of like they can do one or the other. Yeah. Okay. That, again, you've gone right to the heart of a subject of which I am entirely ignorant, <laughs> which is the anatomy and the biology of lobsters. Um, but again, this sounds plausible. I I can't interrogate this any further because I literally don't know. I'm so staggered <laughs> by all the new information here. I think I'm just gonna have to take a punt. Okay. I I, <clears throat> I think it all sounds true. Lobsters are weird, mm. man. Like just in general, they're weird. And you could tell me anything about a lobster and I would think it would be true because they're so odd. Mm. So the fact that they urinate out their face is kind of just (laughs) probably one of the most normal things you can say about them. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm going to say that all of that is true. Final answer? Yeah. It is. It's true. Yes. You've pulled one back. Yes. I was, I was, I enjoyed learning about lobsters. That's minging. Yeah, it is, they are minging. And it sprays two meters. Apparently. I think, you know, and they use it for so many different things. <laughs> They're such versatile. So, so versatile with their urine. <laughs> wow, okay. Like, oh, after, after Bob's borrow today, <laughs> so I go and piss in it. <laughs> Okie doke. Now, um, my notebook that I have here full of all these facts or slash stories, Mm. um, I always write a sort of headline at the top of the page to kind of remind me what the the fact is. Mm. And all I've written at the top of this page, which will immediately convince you that it isn't true, is the sentence, impotent Colombians ate their banknotes. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm kind of worried about this. Stop. (laughs) Stop. I feel this episode's it's it's so taking so many different directions today. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of loving it. We're on but. the ascendance, definitely. <laughs> um, but no, please continue, Paul. I'm kind of a bit worried about this because I have an awful feeling that you might have seen the story. I can guarantee. <laughs> I have never heard okay. of impotent Colombians okay. eating banknotes. So, right, we're going back to the heady days of 2014, mm-hmm. okay, when the National Bank of Colombia, or the Banco de la República... Oh, I, how would I ever know? I mean, I've taken you to... I've transported you there in <laughs> oh, your mind that? already. Um, they, began, they began doing basically what we're doing right now, which is bringing in new banknotes that have better security than the ones that are already out. Mm. Uh, so they started change, changing the banknotes over. The 2,000 peso note, mm-hmm. which is the smallest denomination that they have in circulation of the banknotes, uh, is blue. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like our £5 note, basically. Mm-hmm. And this was introduced with all sorts of new security features in, um, including the thread that we used to have, the silver thread that we used to put in oh, the banknotes. Yeah, they they brought that in. Um, but another thing that they did was to introduce a new ink which is known among printers. Any printers listening will know that this ink was called Cyan 86A or 86A, something like that. And they chose it because it's... It cured impotence. (laughs) Well, it's very difficult to forge Mm. because when it dries and it prints, it has a sort of like a sheen. It has like a sort of like when it catches the light, it sort of goes, what's the word? Iridescent. Mm. It kind of has this kind of rainbowy sort of coating on top of it and it's to do with the chemicals that it's made from so it's not just sort of straightforward printer's ink the whole point is that this was really difficult to mimic but uh, this ink contains something like 39 to 40 percent of a chemical called uh, 5,2-ethoxy-54 methylpiperazim well done. <laughs> uh, now, I've, I've started writing that and then done a lot of dots because the actual name of this goes on and on and on. The chemical formula of it is C22H30N604S. Do you know what that is? What's well, it's... it's probably on the prescription you just picked up because um, it's, <laughs> it's Viagra. <laughs> it's actually chemically known as sildenafil. Hmm. But the brand name is is Viagra. The fact about two facts about Viagra. Uh, one, there's some oh, in your room. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, one. Um, it was originally a heart medicine. That's what they were after, and then they found out something else happened when you took it. Um, and the other thing was, do you know where the name Viagra comes from? Oh, it'll be some Greek or Roman thing, I'm guessing. The, the people who manufacture it, who is Pfizer mm. Inc. That's incorporated, not ink. <laughs> Can ink company? Uh, they de- developed it in 1996. They've always denied this, but apparently the theory is that it's a mix of vitality and Niagara. 
Mm-hmm. Which brings together all kinds of like Niagara Falls. Yeah, all oh, kinds of okay. horrific images. Okay, <laughs> I think we, yeah. in terms of a tangent to go down. Yeah, that's actually. Should we start talking about lobsters again? <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, this is a chemical that has all sorts of different side effects. Mm. The fact is that it doesn't actually have the same effect. Oddly enough, because. That's not the only component <laughs> that's in this ink. Um, it's all in there with all sorts of other things. Um, but once it kind of broke in the, in the press in Colombia that this chemical was what was going into the banknotes, it was just reported on as a sort of quite frivolous story. But there are two reports of people who ate rather a lot of currency thinking could, that it would they have... Could have just bought some by <laughs> well, it, it must be quite expensive, I'm guessing. Mm. Yeah, so they're consuming a certain quantity of it. They thought that they would get something approaching the same effect. Mm. That, there are two reports that this happened. The first was a man from um, Bogota, who is... Both of them, I should point out, are anonymous, <laughs> oddly enough. Uh, one of them was a man in Bogota. The other was a guy in Barranquilla, I think it mm. is, which is a city on the north coast. And he consumed... 60,000 pesos worth of uh, banknotes. What's that um, in? What's that in pounds? Well, yeah, it's um, the, these are uh, 2,000 pesos each, so that's 30 banknotes, but it's only the equivalent of about $21. Mm. So, so what's I'm that, guessing, about 15 pounds? So I'm guessing the Viagra is more than $21. Yes, yeah. So he's he's not exactly, he's just after a cheap hit, <laughs> this guy. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's about $21 worth. But he ate so many of them that you had to have them surgically removed. Jeez. And so this led to a debate in the Colombian Congress, as it is, which is their, which is their parliament. Um, and the note was withdrawn. And, uh, a <laughs> new ink. two idiots. They think it was sort of the tip of the iceberg, probably. Um, spoil it for everyone. Yeah, so, did he say if it worked for a time? <laughs> no, not, that I'm, not that I'm thinking of. <laughs> no, it didn't. Uh, because it, I, mean, I think it's, it just happens to be the same chemical. Hmm. And then it's been sort of diluted Why? and processed and made into ink, then applied to a piece of paper. So that's how, did, how, again, this is my ignorance of science. How does this, a chemical that was used for Viagra, how does that, how do you make ink out of that? Or is it just a very I, versatile I, I don't. I don't know. That I do mm. not know. Our knowledge of science has <laughs> left us yet again. <laughs> we should get like a tumbleweed sound effect. Yeah, we should. Yeah. Every time we talk about science, like, well. I don't even, I'm not even 100% confident how you make ink. <laughs> I don't know. What the but but I yeah I don't know. But um, crushed beetles. That's what I do remember. Food. No, that's food dye. That's not ink. Oh god, god, help us! I can't remember. Right. Um, but yes, and the note ended up being well. The note wasn't withdrawn. That you there are still uh, two thousand peso notes if you mm, happen to just, go to I just Colombia. Have to head down the post office. Exchange some money. I'll be but right unfortunately, back. Unfortunately, it's no longer used with this chemical in it. Um, it's they actually use the same ink that we now have in our new five pound notes that mm. just come out. We've ended up using the same one. The name of that I do not know, but I know that it was cyan. 86A or 86A spoken like someone who knows what he's talking about when it comes to printers. Cyan um, so just, uh, just to let listeners know again that ink is not used in the five pound note, the Viagra ink. It's that different. Ink. Yes, it's the other way around. So don't yes. start ingesting five pound notes. No, like the man in Baron Kia. <laughs> rather... Don't be like the man in Baron Kia. <laughs> it's a new catchphrase. That, that we've finally got a catchphrase for our podcast. What's the, what's the, yes or BS? Don't be like the man in Baron Kia. <laughs> yeah. Don't consume $21 worth of Colombian pesos and mm. hope that you're going to have a good time with your wife. Okay. You know, um, that story was so detailed. Mm. Um, I'm leaning towards that it's true, just because um, I've only ever seen you put this much effort in one other time for that Dr. Zeus fact <laughs> yes. a few weeks back. And um, so I'm, I think, I don't think you'll have made all of this up. I think it's got a ring of, tr- people are that stupid as well. Mm. The man in Barranquilla, my new hero. <laughs> I've I've only got $21 in the world. (laughs) What should I do with it? I think I'll eat it. Hey, the man from Baron Kia could be the next man from Del Monte. (laughs) (laughs) He'd definitely say yes. (laughs) Only for for impotence. (laughs) The man man from Baron Kia. (laughs) He says (laughs) C. Okay, I'm ready to guess on this one. Okay. This has got to be true. This has got enough ridiculousness, ridiculousness about it that's got to be true. Okay. Is it true? Yeah. I made all of that up. No! <laughs> yeah. Oh! Yes! 
You've pulled a Dr. Zeus on me. I have. I got some detail. I even oh. actually went on. I've read so much about Viagra today. Oh. Yeah, I even wrote down, the, which I didn't use, which is a Viagra tablet. It's 25 milligrams and consuming the same as the man from Barranquilla who doesn't <laughs> exist would only give you 15 milligrams. That's why it wouldn't work. But I didn't need that fact. Oh. I was... You. Oh. <laughs> Did the, did, the, did the bank note ever have anything Viagra related? No, how can you make ink out of Viagra? What's I wrong with I, you? See, that's why I asked that question. I thought that, that's not a stupid question. Ah, oh. Remember the headline, how ridiculous it sounded? Ah, oh, the thing is, that's why... Impotent Colombians ate their tw- banknotes. Twice you've pulled that detail yes. trick on me now. Twice. I just... Detail. I need to go into more oh, detail. Gets us every time that one. Boo, I am happy with that. I'm going to get some strange Amazon recommendations now of what I've been browsing online today. I was going to say, we've learned a lot about Paul's internet search history <laughs> today. As I'm sure it was for the fact only, Paul. Yeah, it's strange how my browser just opened up on the Wikipedia page for Viagra. <laughs> I was just recommended ads. <laughs> and Columbia. <laughs> e. The life of a writer. <clears throat> right. So I want to tell you about a town in Utah today that has kind of in an interesting tale of how it became a ghost town it's kind of overrun by all sorts of different kinds of vermin but anyway i I genuinely thought you were gonna say it was overrun by ghosts (laughs) (laughs) get get scooby-doo around (laughs) so it was back in 1874 in Mm -hmm. sevier county basically um there was a group of about 50 men from a nearby town called herriman where they eventually went to found this town they thought right right we're going to make it rich off coal here, lads. We're going to get over there okay. to this um, this area in Sevier County. And they said, right, we're going to call this town Rising Sun. Just because I can. It's a new start. New start for us all. We're going to get make loads of money from the coal mines down here. We're mm-hmm. going to get an open cast thing going. We're going to make a mint. Everyone's gone off to the west. Mm-hmm. But us, we're going to make it big in Utah. Okay, everyone else has gone after gold. We're going after <laughs> coal. Exactly. Right. Hey, it's a lot more reliable. Okay, yeah, sitting true, there true. some river for it. So these 50 blokes, they plan to have like this open cast mine for coal. And then the plan was to bring their wives and families over um, once mm. they started making a profit. So they, it's kind of a sausage fest. So, so where are the... <laughs> <laughs> to start with. Okay. So the, well, so the sausage already, train... Already. <laughs> Made their way from Harriman to the site where they founded Rising Sun. Harriman. Is that also in Utah? That's also in Utah. Right, okay. But they'd been told that way out in the sticks. Right, okay. So it's quite a distance away. Quite a distance away. Right. I forget how far the travel... I think I've marked the travel down, how far it was from Harriman. But basically, obviously, they didn't have many farming skills. They had. Mm-hmm. They only brought miners with them to start off with, so I thought, right. Children? <laughs> no, no children, yeah. Oh, miners with an ER. Go. Right, okay. So they brought all the like dried food, uh, grain, cured ham, salted stuff. So they had rice. We've got supplies. At least they've got a good buffet going on, <laughs> at least. If all else fails. <laughs> so whoever's organising the buffets is right. We've got all this kind of dried food, um, well, less perishable stuff. So yeah. we can survive until we're profitable, bring the wives over, mm. get some farmers in. And with the profits we make from the mine, we'll just go back to Harriman, buy what we need, come and back. And come back. Okay. Sounds perfect. Mm-hmm. But they didn't know that this area was overrun with muskrats. Right. So after about three weeks, they found that most of their food had gone because it was being raided daily and nightly by vermin. Okay. Muskrats and vermin, are they? They're quite cute. Well, actually, I think it was the um, koipu or koipu. That little, it's a flat. Oh, right, okay. Koipu. Koipu. Right. So I don't know why so many Koipu were in Utah. They've been brought there at some point. They couldn't remember either. But they're known as vermin in Utah now. Right. And you can just shoot them now, actually, apparently. Incidental fact. Yeah, you don't need a hunting license. You can't shoot a Koipu. It's like a huge guinea pig, isn't it? It is. It's absolute comedy. But <laughs> not comedy if they're eating all your food yeah, That's stores. true. So... After three weeks, their food supplies were exhausted and they started to put permanent guards around what left, what was left of the food. Said, right, if we can guard this until we get some coal to sell, right. we're going to be all right. But they had been... There was that many koi poo? <laughs> it wasn't just the koi poo. <laughs> there was other vermin like, right. right, of course, Rats and mice in an arid area, animals yeah. kind of congregate, oh, there's a massive food source over okay. Let's have it. Uh, but the kind of the icing on the cake of this one is it turned out there wasn't actually any coal there at all. Oh. They'd been told a pack of lies. And this being the 1870s, people tended not to check up. 
yes. on things. Say, right, yeah. let's get an expedition together. This guy down the saloon has <laughs> yeah, told me that there's a lot of <laughs> coal right next to forget, that forget huge that. herd of koi poo. <laughs> <laughs> there was like a, pa- a locust pack of koi poo. <laughs> right, okay. So let's not go gold panning in California. Mm. Let's, uh, let's go uh, coal digging in Sevier County, in, Utah. In koi pooville. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So after... A couple of more weeks of that, they just had abandoned the settlement, write the whole thing off, went back to Harriman. To right. The Koipu win again. Right, okay. That's a good story. So mm. what year was this, 1870s? 1874. 1874, uh, right. Rising Sun was founded. Okay. And Harriman is the main... Harriman still exists. Harriman still town. exists, yeah. Right. So some men from Harriman decided that they were... Heard that there was a lot of coal mm. at this site. Get an expedition together. Let's make a quick buck. Right. Started building essentially a new town while they were out there? Yeah, really basic buildings, like a storehouse for the food, um, a couple of basic shacks for the miners. Right. The, the whole plan was to make money quick so right. that they could then go and buy in what they needed or bring expertise in later for right. more permanent settlement. And how f- this is quite a distance away from... It is. I've not actually written down the distance. And they just went and started a coal... Like, how do you start a coal mine? Did you just get some spades and just start digging until you find they, coal? They, they were told that there was an option for open-cast coal mine in right. the area. So it was basically just start so there's start, some, start digging, find a seam, and, and then, then just, just go for it. work the seam. And in the meantime, this huge pile of dried food that they've brought is getting raided by... Koipu, uh, mice, other vermin, uh, all sorts of animals that would just come... Were because in, they were in the area. Because the storehouse, obviously, it's not very well constructed. Yeah, okay. And it, they ate all the food? The vast majority of it. Because they didn't think to start guarding the food until right. they ate. And that was enough to abandon the town? Oh, there was no coal? Yeah, there was no coal there Right, well. okay, okay. So it was just, yeah, it, I, was the, the, say, I think right. the whole point is like it's a disaster from start to finish. Yes, so it's not like, oh, there's enough coal here to finance... And the whole mine, but there's mm. far too many koi poos. We're going <laughs> yeah. to end the project. <laughs> it was a double whammy. They, they would come in waves, like starship troopers. <laughs> Is that how they got it from South America? <laughs> koi poo. Why are there koi poo in Utah? I don't know. I was as surprised as you when I was reading that. Is a koi poo the same as a capybara? Or are they different? Uh, I think they're different. I feel like I should know this. Yeah, I think... Oh, capybara, not the massive ones in the Amazon. Cap- yeah, yeah, the massive ones. Right, okay. And koi poo are different. Mm. Right, okay. It's a good story. Harriman and the town was called Rising Sun. Yeah. Did they name it after their favourite Sean Connery film? <laughs> uh, favourite animal song. That's <laughs> the Rising Sun. Right, okay. Um, <clears throat> this is a good story. It sounds plausible, apart from the koi poo thing. <laughs> why, I, can't, I can't think there why there would be... There are koi poo in, in, Utah. in Utah. There's so many of them. Are they Mormons? <laughs> Um, okay. I, it sounds very plausible, but I don't think it's true. There are ghost towns all over America, though, that's the thing. And mm. a new coal mine, and then, yeah, the date sounds about right. I just think that they would, if they were close enough to another town to think that they'd go back and get experts and buy equipment and things, then they're close enough to just go and get some more food, surely. Mm. Well, that's the thing, they weren't making any money from... From the mine. Selling the coal. So right, because there wasn't was the, any... They can't that, was sell, al- that was always the plan, to go right. back to Harriman and buy They can't sell what they haven't found. Mm. Unless it's dead koi poo, I suppose. <laughs> it's just quite selling koi poo first. <laughs> it's just flood the market. I feel, I've, I feel we've oversold how many koi poo. <laughs> that was, it was the most interesting vermin from the list. It wasn't just... Right, okay, there was all sorts it of It wasn't things. just swarms of koi poo. Right, okay. Um... Okay, I'm going to call this one. Um, I think this is hard because it does sound plausible. Mm. And I, you're, it's very convincing when you say that there are koi poo in Utah. And even that sounds like a ludicrous sentence. Mm. But I I think you've made this up. I think this is BS. Final answer? <clears throat> yeah, it's BS. You're right. Yes! I think they are koi poo somewhere in Utah. <laughs> in the zoo? <laughs> I think I've built the fact entirely around that. <laughs> there are wild koi poo in Utah. Yeah, I think so. Really? I yeah. thought they like lived in the Amazon or something. I think they are from South America, like, but I'm sure that's why I've put koi poo in. 
Uh, to be fair, the, like the, they've probably brought some from South America for fur or mm. something, and then some of them escaped. Yeah, I think like Harriman is still a town. Like, what well, about Rising Sun? Did you name that yourself? Uh, no, I think Rising Sun is a town somewhere in Utah. Is but... that not your favorite Sean Connery film? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the first time you've ever been in the lead. Now, oh, what's the score? I three two three two to you now. So it's going to be a decider. Oh! Okay, right. Okay, got to make this a good one now. Pressure's on. Last one. Mm-hmm. I really want to secure a victory here. Okay, so um, my fact is that J.R.R. Tolkien mm-hmm. uh, once attended a New Year party that uh, wasn't a fancy dress party, but he attended it dressed as a polar bear. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate this game so much. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> <laughs> okay, go okay. on, continue. So, so fact about talking around... Polar bears. Did a polar bear go dressed as a jar talking? <laughs> Is it like a... Walking in holding a copy of The Hobbit and a pencil. <laughs> uh, right. Um, talking now this was when he was a professor at Oxford um, which was 1925 to 1959. He was there for a really mm. long time. Uh, he taught Old English and Old Norse. He was very keen. He was very popular with the students. He was only contracted to give 36 lectures lectures a year. He very often gave over 100 because mm. he just loved this so much. And he, as I say, he was really popular with the students because he was he had a really good sense of humor and he was quite eccentric. I didn't really know this about him. Um, I just presumed he was a sort of dusty old don. But he was completely the opposite. He once, well, he, ha- he had a habit apparently of annoying his next door neighbor by chasing him down the street dressed as an Anglo-Saxon with an axe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've, all, we've all been we've there all, we've all done that we've also all walked into shops and tried to pay with, with false teeth which he did on more than one occasion um, so yeah he was a good lecturer he was very dramatic <clears throat> had a flair for the sort of dramatic I guess when he was giving all these things but it was sometime in the 1930s we don't have a date for it but it was sometime in the 1930s you'd think someone would record that <laughs> <laughs> the day J.R. Tolkien was dressed as a polar bear <laughs> I think you know which new you remember that New Year's party for no reason. It wasn't it wasn't a fancy dress party. Um, yeah, this was sometime in the nineteen thirties. He turned up for a fancy dress party dressed as a polar bear, um, and he did this. It was recorded that he wore a quote Icelandic sheepskin hearth rug wrapped around him, and he painted his face white. <laughs> Surely that's redundant. <laughs> uh, and then attended the party just when this can't get stranger enough. Yeah. Uh, who else happened to be at the party? Oh, did the Queen arrive? But Tolkien's... <laughs> Not the King then, sorry. Tolkien's fellow Oxford Don, C.S. Lewis. God, this is... And you know what? He was dressed as a polar bear. This... Oh, this... <laughs> if this now, is true. C.S. Lewis, together with Tolkien, they were really good friends. They started teaching at Oxford in the same year. Both started teaching in 1925. But C.S. Lewis taught literature... Um, and they became really good friends. They founded a literary debating society called the Inklings. Called, should we dress as polar bears and go to parties society? <laughs> yeah. So they founded this society together. And they think that because they had sort of quite similar senses of humour and things, that they were both in on this joke. It just so happened that C.S. Lewis turned up to the party first and was made to look like a fool, presumably. But apparently... Uh, Did they not go together? I don't, uh, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing that they were both in on the joke. It wasn't just some sort of curious coincidence. Why is so little recorded about this? <laughs> yeah, they probably did know what each other was doing. And um, they clarified it by telling everyone for the rest of the night that they, that they were a pair of Russian bears. And uh, that was that. They walked home <laughs> together to make the students laugh. And this was. <laughs> this is what. like such an anticlimactic end. This is what. They walked home to make the students laugh. <laughs> this is what New Year was like when your best friend was G.R.R. Tolkien. This. This, this story comes from. Way. I can tell you how we know this, which it comes from Humph- Humphrey Carpenter, who's an mm. author and a, quite a famous broadcaster, actually. Um, his biography of Tolkien it was recorded in that. And he doesn't remember the year. We just know that it was sometime in the 1930s. First of all, mm-hmm. New Year's Eve is like. It's a memorable night, mm-hmm. so you know what you, you know what year you're in. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know what year you're in, and what you're going into. Exactly, and surely what makes it more memorable is C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien have turned up dressed as polar bears. Yeah. Oh, this. You is... have a problem with that? 
<laughs> Not with the idea. The, he was an eccentric. Whatever the other story, I don't think I've got any other stories about him being eccentric written down here. Oh, yes, I do. Um, he once told one of his lecture groups uh, that leprechauns existed. And to prove his point, he, he took a four-inch shoe out of his bag <laughs> as proof. Oh, this, oh, this, my gut just is screaming that this can't be true because it's so ridiculous. <laughs> this is like... A one o'clock in the morning Paul idea that seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> that well, that sounds believable. <laughs> going, what should he attend the fancy dress party? It wasn't even a fancy dress party. <laughs> well, if he puts, a, if he wraps himself in like a white rug, cuts himself a polar bear, I might have believed it if you just said Tolkien. But right. when you brought in C.S. Lewis as well, right. it just made me think. Oh, and. The fact that no one else has ever mentioned this. This wasn't in the Lord of the Rings extras on the DVD. <laughs> oh, well, he was known for his jokes and his japes. Was yeah, I, I thought he was quite a sort of, sort of stoic character. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was a linguist and a really good one. He used to work for the OED. I'm surprised that idea didn't make it into Lord of the Rings, actually. <laughs> like for Frodo just dressed as a polar bear. It would have been preferable to the nine chapters about Tom Bombadil. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't love Tom Bombadil? <laughs> right, I think I'm ready to guess on this one. I just, I, I can't, I can't dig down anymore because there's nowhere to go. <laughs> we've hit the, we've hit the bottom of the barrel. We've, we've hit the mother load. Ah, <laughs> oh, but then again, is it so ridiculous? It's true. No, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna try and read your reaction. I'm gonna say this is a lie. Okay. Final answer. Final answer. I swear to God, if this is true. Okay. That's your final answer? Final answer. That entire story is true. <laughs> yes! <laughs> I've won an episode. And on an absolutely epic fight. <sighs> yeah, he was an absolute dude. And both of them turned up dressed as polar bears and they didn't have to because it wasn't a fancy dress party. That's insane. Everything, even the quote about Icelandic sheepskin hearthrug is completely true. Mm. That's not very... You'd think he would have put more effort in him. Was he literally just wrapped <laughs> in a rug? He didn't have to put an effort in him. It was, it, it was a... <laughs> He's not a polar bear. He's basically whited up his face and put a rug around his shoulders. That's not a costume. Well, he called himself a polar bear. Hey, I'd say, come on, Tolman. I'm having you out on this. <laughs> That's not a polar bear costume. Says C.S. Lewis. Who's <laughs> wearing an actual polar bear rug. <laughs> He's coming a taxidermied rug. <laughs> He's like, come on. We this wasn't agreed in the pub. <laughs> hey... Yeah, completely true. <clears throat> Boom. I feel you. Four two. I feel you've blown your load on good facts now, I've, Paul. Yeah, I, it's, it's like, downhill from here. I feel more confident on the next episode. Though. I had a horrible feeling you might have known that already about him that no. he did that. How did they not know what year it was? I don't know. It just says nineteen thirties in the biography. <sighs> it's a cool story, though. Good one to finish on, anyway. Excellent. Well done, Tony. <clears throat> All right. So I think the series stands roughly. Uh, you've two. won two. You've won one. And we've drawn, drawn one. one. Is that right? Yeah. So, right. Uh, okay. I can still pull this back. Yeah. We'll okay. See. We'll see. So thanks for listening again, everybody. I hope you tune in next time for more ridiculous. I'm sure most of these are lies, to be honest. <laughs> if anyone if anyone ever Googled half of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, yeah, spoiler alert. We're making all of this up. <laughs> I'm definitely going to Google that one. Find out that's a lie. But anyway, thanks for listening again, everyone. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>